Welcome to the IoT Idols podcast. I'm Ryan Cousins, co-founder and CEO of Critical. We help bring bleeding edge technology products to market through a combination of hardware and software modules and professional engineering services. We believe every innovator has a powerful collection of experiences and knowledge that can help inspire others in their field. If you have a story you'd like to share, stick around at the end of the show and we'll explain how you can be a guest on one of our upcoming episodes. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you could be the next IoT Idol. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of IoT Idols, Innovators to Watch. I'm your host, Ryan Cousins, and I'm super excited to have Pablo Ferreira, um, the head of IoT at uh, Bosch Thermo Technologies. Uh, Pablo, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd just love if you could start out by just giving, me a, a, giving us all a quick background about uh, what you do, kind of what your focus on uh, focus is. Sure. And um, yeah, just a little bit more about what you're doing there at Bosch. Awesome. Well, yeah, so my name is Paul Ferreira. As you mentioned, I run the IoT engineering group for Thermos Technology North America. So I'm in charge of our connected product portfolio, as well as the suite of cloud applications and mobile applications that support those products. And uh, this year, I actually also started focusing on how we can continue to leverage a lot of those technologies that we use in IoT, like cloud, AI, machine learning, to also reinvent a lot of our core business applications as well. Um, so that's everything from order management to supply chain visibility. So it's a very versatile role. Um, it's high impact. I'm exposed to a lot of our really greatest business challenges in our business. So I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's interesting. So what I just began kind of curious, what kind of opportunities are you guys focused on both in the immediate term and, and maybe medium term as far as incorporating um, more cloud and back end stuff into your uh, into the IoT portfolio? Oh, it's huge. I mean, our entire portfolio right now is cloud native and API first. Um, and that that's important for, for several reasons. The, the cloud native piece, you know, with major providers like AWS and Azure, there's just so many tools that are pre-built for you that allow you to really scale these technologies to a level that would be very difficult to do on-prem. And for us, you know, that that approach is, is really standard, right? So we, we go cloud first. Um, the API first is really an idea to help us integrate with cross categories. So other business units at Bosch that are also developing other smart home products or even other business units within the same division. If we're developing API first, we can actually integrate with other people's innovations so we can scale local innovations globally. Right. And we don't have to keep rebuilding the same foundation over and over again for products that are predominantly very similar. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, with a company like Bosch that has, you know, a, obviously a long history in, you know, industrial automation yeah. technology and all of that, you know, it's obviously seen the the full cycle of these technologies well before the Internet even existed. Um, so I'm curious how how that kind of evolu evolution worked from going from, say, a um, uh, you know, a component or I'll just say non-connected solution provider yeah. to this to being fully immersed in the world of IoT, how that's kind of uh, progressed over time. Yeah. So, you know, quick introduction. I'm sure most of your audience knows what Bosch is, but just in case, you know, we're a global business. We have about 440 subsidies and regional companies in some 60 countries around the world. So we, when I say global business, I mean major enterprise here. And in our majority, we're actually an automotive solution provider. So we work with software, control units, powertrain, 
uh, fuel injection, you know, you you say automotive, you name it, we do it. Um, we have tremendous success in that space. And then from there, we really diversified into other business verticals where there's customer facing products from home appliances, uh, power tools, you know, industry 4.0, as you mentioned, and of course, HVAC, which is the division that I'm a part of. So uh, that's the foundation of our business. And as we've seen technology really change consumers behavior, we're realizing that for a lot of these systems, the system itself is important, but the digital experience is almost more important for the customer that's engaging with that system. And so since we recognize that digital experiences are really, really important for customer retention um, and customer acquisition, we've started to focus a lot more on our digital technology portfolio. And that's where we started to see a lot of you know, software applications and cloud applications and IoT applications start to permeate across the organization in verticals that traditionally were just systems, right? And so for HVAC, I'd say we're probably the slowest um, in, in the organization to adopt these changes because, you know, Customers aren't thinking about their HVAC that often, um, but we are seeing a lot of really compelling use cases now for homeowners, for contractors, for contractor company owners. Um, and we're starting to figure out that there are actually a lot of software applications and, and digital experiences that customers really want to have. And we're starting to lean in very heavily. So it's an area of great investment for us. We're investing in digitalization. We're investing in, in hiring a lot of software engineering talent. Um, and just this year, we're going to be introducing a lot of really exciting innovations to market. So uh, I'm excited for those digital experiences. Yeah, that's cool. It, it's funny, you know, uh, we, we've had actually a couple of different folks on um, who are intimately involved with uh, both HVAC optimization as well as um, just building management in general. And I think it's it's one of those, it's yet another one of those industries that, like you said, nobody really thinks about that much, kind of taken for granted, it's been there forever. And, you know, just like the, the hair's on or it's not kind of thing. But I think as you, to your point, once you get into more of this digitization and, and kind of smartifying that whole industry, you know, mm -hmm. while people might not think about their HVAC system, you know, every day or every week, month, whatever, they do think about their power bills, <laughs> you know, their utility, yeah. you know, electricity, heating, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, what's is is the focus um, uh, from Bosch's perspective, helping customers uh, improve, say, their overall efficiency, thinking about new ways to approach, say, in, in the context of HVAC, um, new ways of designing those systems, maybe a, a bit of a combination of a bunch of things. What, is there is kind of a core focus there? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I'd say the two core focuses of our business at this point is electrification and green energy technologies, right? That is the the full focus. And, you know, TTNA, Thermo Technology North America, we're a manufacturer of a complete HVAC system. Um, so that includes, right, domestic hot water, heating and cooling, thermostats, accessories. Um, we also offer fossil fuel based systems. But if you're looking at how we're investing our resources and um, capital, it's really towards those heat pumps, which are electric based systems. They achieve ultra efficient, you know, energy SEER ratings here. So when it comes to the efficiency of these units, electrification is the way to go. And um, that's also where we're seeing the greater business shift towards, right? We're seeing them shift towards sustainable heating and cooling systems and well-being solutions. We basically want to empower our customers to enjoy their life, right? Enjoy their systems, but make sure they're doing it in eco-friendly ways. Um, and internally, we have a, a mission or a vision that's called green home comfort. Um, and that's where you see the combination of digitalization and green technologies um, to accomplish that vision. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. So I guess, you know, it, it sounds like from what you were saying earlier, the, the 
um, you know, Bosch, it's my understanding anyway, is uh, Bosch is really trying to provide kind of the a core platform, if you will, kind of building off the foundation already has, um, yeah. getting into the whole digitization piece and then enabling uh, partners to provide individual, say, value adds um, to that overall solution, as opposed to, you know, Bosch is just going to do everything in that entire value chain all internally is that is that generally right is, is partnership kind of a big element of, of your overall strategy yeah i think partner definitely at, at the enterprise level i think it varies a lot based on the the business unit right so we're as i mentioned before right we have tons of business units across you know 60 plus countries so it really depends on the the organization of each business unit for us we have very strong partnerships with oems and, and partners both on the, the hardware side and the connectivity side, but also on the development side as well, right? So we leverage internal partners, we leverage external partners. Um, ultimately, I think we do this for a couple different reasons. Um, we do this for speed, right? We wanna get to market as quickly as possible and it's not scalable to try to do the entire value chain on your own. Um, and then also cost, right? If, if there's another partner out there that's mastered the specific part of the value chain that we can integrate well with, um, it's just more, you know, it's more scalable for us to do it in that way than for us to try to build out that part of the value chain. Um, I think ultimately, though, Bosch is pretty much accomplishing the, the full value chain in some areas. So there are some business units that do everything from their own manufacturing um, of the components that they're using to build the systems and then supporting the supply chain of the systems and, of course, all of the sales channels. So really depends on the business unit. For us in Thermotechnology North America, we're a little bit smaller than some of the other business units in Thermotechnology. So we do leverage partners, I'd say, probably more than, than other business units in Europe. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and I guess along those lines, so if I'd be curious just from a um, a, a big company perspective, uh, you mentioned obviously all of these, these individual business units and, and focus yeah. areas and everything. How much... Uh, you know, cross pollinization. Would you say there is? You know, if if say for example, um, the thermotechnology business unit comes up with a solution to do X, Y, and Z, does that have any sort of ripple effects off with the rest of the organization? Is it more siloed than that? Like how 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 does that usually flow? I mean, I think you know, like every enterprise, um, you know, there is going to be some nature of the business that is siloed, and you know, we have an internal saying, you know, if only Bosch knew what Bosch knows. Uh, <laughs> You know that we're we're such a large organization. Oftentimes, the problems that you're facing, someone else has already faced and solved or failed in a different way that you can learn from. Um, it's definitely something that we're trying to do a lot more of. Um, just to give you an example, the IoT platform that I actually built with my team here in North America, um, the European colleagues looked at that solution and they liked it so much that they're actually now adopting it for all future connected product development. So there is a lot of cross pollination happening there. I think there could be a lot more. Um, and so as leaders in this organization, one of the things they they really encourage us to do is to kind of expand our horizon within the organization, right? Just because you work in thermotechnology does not mean you shouldn't be communicating with people in automotive and people in home appliances and people in, in security systems. And so if you look at my calendar every month, I have at least one or two conversations with digital leaders, transformation leaders, engineering leaders in other business units um, to try to learn about what they're doing, how they're innovating, um, what challenges they're facing. I share the same and uh, try to leverage each other's lessons learned. But um, it's an ongoing exercise. I mean, I will never be able to meet all the leaders in the organization, but um, it's definitely something that is a priority for us. And uh, 
I, I can see us doing a lot more of it moving forward. I think the API vision, the API first vision for our company as well on our tech stack will also um, further incentivize and further enable that cross-pollination because it'll make our technologies and the services we built um, integratable with existing applications, right? If we're all building on different tech stacks and building solutions with no centralized or conformed architecture, it's very difficult to integrate with the solution, even if it would solve your specific pain points. So there's things happening on our tech stack, and then there's also a lot of um, a lot of movement with um, with leaders in the organization to, to get to know each other and, and share more lessons learned. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, we've done a little bit of uh, government contracting work recently, and it's a lot of parallels there between the big company and, and you know, the government, which government at the end of the day is really just a, a really big company. Yeah. Uh, and and there's, there's so many cases where, just like you said, there's, you know, there's problems that have definitely been solved by somebody somewhere at some point that have been paid for and gone through all of the, the, the hard lessons learned and, and failures and all the rest of it uh, that, it's really that's that's kind of a universal challenge to you know have a a, a unified knowledge library, if you will. Um, you know, it's one thing to just have you know GitHub repos or whatever random thing people can go and access, but that's you know really just scratching the surface in terms of you know okay, how, like you were just saying, how does that integrate with what we're doing over here? Do we have different security considerations, or whatever it might be, for than this other business unit? You know, automotive and. HVAC, but I have many, many different, you know, even regulatory requirements that obviously you have to abide by. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really interesting, interesting challenge. And then, so how, how large is the, um, is the overall business unit that you're working within and then your, your specific team? I'm just trying to get an idea of, so people can understand kind of the scale of these operations. Yeah, absolutely. So Bosch as a whole, we have around 402,000 employees globally. So we're Pretty massive. Um, my team here in North America, or for Thermo Technology North America, I believe we're at around 200 headcounts, um, and my team is 12 headcounts. So for IoT specifically, um, so it is a pretty sizable team. We we are distributed teams, right? So we're really big on smart work here. Um, we believe that you you don't necessarily have to be in the office to to do amazing work. And a lot of our teams are globalized, right? So we have groups in China, groups in India, um, groups in North America, of course. Um, also, we're, we're starting to develop a lot of relationships with different uh, groups in, in Mexico and Brazil as well that are all internal to Bosch. Um, so we all have global teams, but yeah, that's that's about the size of the group. Um, the regional business unit, which is includes engineering, product, project management, and then some other aspects of engineering as well, like hardware engineering, mechanical engineering. Um, I'd say we're about like, I'd say 30 to 35 people. Um, so it's it's still pretty lean, you know, for for such a large enterprise, and we we pride ourselves on being the the startup within the enterprise that can really take bold risks and challenge the status quo, and um, and hopefully you know, have some breakaway um, innovations. So yeah, it's interesting, and along you know, you bring up the the whole remote uh, work thing. You know, I'd be curious when it comes to you know, I guess you could just generally call it IoT development. Um, you know by its by its very nature, there's almost always some hardware and software involved. Oh, yeah. So you know anytime you get hardware involved with pretty much anything, um, there there is a obviously a physical element to that. So there's it, somewhere somebody has to be touching the the hardware <laughs> that you're prototyping or trying to debug or inter, you know integrating with whatever it is. 
So how do you guys typically manage that with with regards to remote work? Um, you know, or maybe are the hardware mechanical people they're the ones who, who go into the office or are you sending, you know, lab test equipment out to people? Just kind of curious how that overall workflow typically looks. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think so at Bosch, we have smart work, not necessarily remote work. So smart work basically means that you have to live within the city where your office is. Mm. So, for example, my office is in Boston, so I wouldn't be able to live in New York, for example. So you have to be able to travel to the office any given day. But it's really on to the managers to decide how frequently their team needs to come into the office. And so, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, right, IoT, part of the reason I love IoT, by the way, is because of how interdisciplinary it is, right? Mm -hmm. You have everything from the chipset and hardware selection and building the PCBs and testing those PCBs um, to the manufacturing of those PCBs and the firmware as well and the software level for the hardware. Then you have your connectivity piece with cloud and then, of course, all of the customer applications right whether it's mobile web um, what different technologies you can use there so it is pretty overwhelming i'd say at sometimes because of just how varied it is but um for my team you know we really focus on the firmware integration with the cloud and beyond so we do cloud architectures um, the mobile applications for our customers all of the use cases and then of course all of the use cases with the data that we're collecting, right? So the, the data ingestion, the AI, the machine learning, um, the data insights, the analytics, um, that's where I like to spend a lot of my time. And um, for that, it's less important for people to be on site, right? Like I think when it comes to group meetings and alignment, you know, we, we typically have, we have daily standups, we do scrum, those can be virtual. Um, but if we wanted to do a big workshop where we're kicking off a project or we're trying to align a lot of key stakeholders around a new technology or a new solution that we're trying to build to market, for those types of things, I like to do them in person. My background's in startups. I'm a big whiteboard guy. You know, get me a room full of people and a big whiteboard and, and I'm happy. So for those types of things, we do do those in person. When it comes to the hardware engineering groups, a lot of their testing, as you mentioned, has to be in person. Right. And when we're testing the systems themselves, not just the IoT component, but the actual HVAC equipment, which is hundreds of pounds. Right. We can't be shipping that to people's homes. So we also have labs um, that we have here in, in our Boston office and um, that has to be done in person as well. So, you know, we like to use common sense here. Right. If there's something that would be easier to do in person, let's do it in person. We enable our teams to work from home when it's not required. Right. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people that you know have families that um, you know especially kids during the pandemic right like that flexibility of, of smart work really helped them balance their their work and personal life and that's something that we take very seriously here we believe in you know work-life balance it's a foundational pillar um, it's why so many people stay at bosch for so long uh, my manager has been here for over 22 years and he will probably be here for another 22 after um, <laughs> and that that's really you know a big reason why people love to work here you know, we, we put the employee first, we put the associate first, and um, you feel it at all levels. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's funny, you know, when you start seeing now that we're kind of swinging back the other way to some certain extent from the the uh, fully virtual all or remote all the time uh, pandemic mode to OK, now there's some some amount of either, you know, shared dedicated time in the office kind of thing. Um, you, you see these kind of odd policies where you're like all right there's two days a week you have to be in the office and yeah. regardless of whether there's a reason for you to be in the office or you're aligning with your team or whatever it is just kind of arbitrary policies like that are seem to be more disruptive than they are productive um, 
So, yeah. so yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's good to hear, you know, you guys are doing it in a more, uh, you know, disciplined or strategic or whatever you want to call it way, just a, a more sensible way in general, where it's, you know, if there's a reason for you to be in, you be in. If there's not, then, you know, <laughs> you can save the extra hour of commuting or two hours yeah. or depending on where you live. You know, within such a large enterprise, there has to be nuance here. And so it's great that our executive leadership and our board of management acknowledges that and allows, you know, their leaders to make those decisions for their teams. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I think it's necessary for, for an enterprise to be like that. It's very difficult to come up with a blanket statement that will, you know, satisfy everyone's team and that will, you know, be most productive for everyone's team. I'm sure there's other teams in, in Bosch that are probably a lot more strict on, you know, working in the office, but Again, it's it's completely up to the manager. The managers understand their talent, they understand their people, and they'll make the right decisions for their teams. Yeah, and I think like you said earlier, that you know it does that that exact point does speak to the uh, autonomy, if you will, of each individual team. You know, it's it's one thing to just say, you know, oh yeah, here's the uh, the entrepreneurial group, or whatever over here. Yeah, they do innovative stuff, but really they just follow the same processes and procedures as everyone else and their their projects get shut down just as easily as anyone else's when they aren't producing whatever financial results or whatever random metric so if you're saying like well there there are as evidenced by the fact that like each individual group is responsible for coming up with you know what what they think is the most effective way to manage themselves um you know that that definitely mirrors that whole sentiment i would say um which is which is you know good to hear um so and then i guess getting back just on the on the product side of things yeah. you know how so you know let go you know kind of circling back to the the beginning of the discussion where you know bosch has a very um kind of pre-established presence in all these you know kind of different industries um back you know, before this massive digitization uh, or digitalization wave, um, how much has, you know, has a pre-established set of products and technologies uh, that weren't necessarily being used primarily for data collection and all the stuff that goes into you know, all of the data science, AI and, and yeah. you know, analytics and all that side of things. How much was, you know, having all of that infrastructure, products, et cetera, et cetera, in place, um, an aid versus a hindrance to making this big shift towards the digitization of, of everything? Yeah, I mean, I think from, from our side, you know, we still have, and most of our business is non-connected products, right? So mm -hmm. it's not like um, where we have a majority of connected products. It's a trend that we're starting to grow within different um, business verticals. Um, if anything, you know, our IoT products are not, you know, mutually exclusive with our connected products, right? The the systems themselves, we, we have decades of experience, hundreds of years of experience developing those types of systems. And it's that legacy that allows us to build just incredibly efficient systems that last decades, if not more. Um, and so for us, you know, the IoT piece is a, is a new value proposition that we're adding, right? So we're leveraging all of the lessons learned, all of the, the success and the history of, of developing these very complex systems. And now we're just adding more functionality to it. So the way I see it is I actually have a, a beautiful, you know, ocean of, of previous products that are tested in the market that our customers love 
And now I can figure out, okay, which ones are the ones that I really want to connect, which ones will add strategic value to the business, and which ones will add tremendous value for the homeowners and contractors that are actually engaging with these systems. Um, so there really is, you know, it's, it's nice because there's little risk with connecting products at Bosch, right? Because you know the products themselves without the connected versions are amazing. And mm -hmm. so if you can successfully execute on strong digital experiences, you're only making those products better. I think, you know, if you're thinking about it from a startup's perspective, you have a tremendous amount of risk because there's so much capital involved to bring an IoT product to market um, that you have to really pick an amazing system. You have to be able to develop that amazing system and then connect that system and introduce all those digital experiences. So I'd say it's actually a little bit easier for us to connect products because we have that history. We know what products work well. We know what what our customers want from our products and, and we're confident in our ability to actually develop the complex system itself. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Awesome. Well, yeah, Pablo, thanks so much. This, is, this has been uh, super interesting. So what what's the best way for people to kind of track some of the projects you're working on get in touch with you? Um, any particular, you know, forums or, or sites that you're you're active on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we have a very exciting product roadmap, as I mentioned. We're introducing a ton of new connected products to market. Um, we're also doing a lot of work with uh, Biden administration and the DOE's decarbonization goal as well. So we're going to be introducing a lot of sustainable products to achieve their carbon neutral goal by 2050. So if you want to follow the journey, I actually am super active on LinkedIn. Um, I post three to four times a week, just updates on what projects we're working on, even some of the failures that we've had. So you can kind of learn from those failures. Um, so my LinkedIn is just Pablo Ferreira. You can find me, um, talk a lot about it there. Um, and hopefully, you know, I'll be able to do more podcasts and more, more exposure like this. You know, I, I really like coming on here and then sharing the innovation that we're driving. We're constantly hiring as well. So if you want to join the team, shameless plug, um, I am hiring for multiple positions and multiple roles in engineering. So check us out. You can visit all of our websites, boschthermotechnology.us.com. So check us out. Love to chat. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely include the, the link and everything in the show notes. Um, yeah, and Paulo, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been Pablo Ferreira again from Bosch Thermo Technology. Um, super, super interesting, exciting stuff. And uh, yeah, again, thanks so much for, for joining, with, joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. Talk soon. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in. And um, yeah, we'll hope to catch you on the next episode of IoT Idols, Innovators to Watch. This is Ryan Cousins signing off. See you next time. Hey, this is Critical CEO Ryan Cousins again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the IoT Idols podcast. If you're an accomplished engineer, inventor, product manager, or technology entrepreneur, and would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please go to critical.com slash podcast slash apply. That's K-R-T-K-L dot com slash podcast slash apply. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend or share it on social media and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone you'd like to have us interview, let them know about the show or tag them on social media using the hashtag IoT Idols. We're always looking for great guests eager to share their stories with our audience. We're regularly posting new episodes, so make sure you subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media, and join our mailing list at critical.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be excellent. Be excellent.